So you might have missed this in the news. This was uh, in the news last month, uh, just before Christmas. And this is uh, from the BBC. It's not fake news. This is genuine. And garden, garden ornament turns out to be live bomb. A couple who kept an old naval shell as a garden ornament said it was like the passing of an old friend when it was detonated by a bomb disposal squad. It had been in the front garden of Cyan and Geoffrey Edwards' house in Milton Haven, Pembrokeshire, and is thought to date from the late 19th century. The couple had thought it was a dummy with no charge. Mrs. Edwards said she used to bang it with her trowel to remove earth after gardening. The couple had it sunk into concrete and painted it red to match the window ledges when they'd bought the house in 1982. But on Wednesday evening, a police officer knocked on the door to tell the couple he'd spotted it and he'd need to alert the Ministry of Defence. An hour later, he informed the shocked couple that the bomb squad would arrive the next day. And this Mr. Edwards says, we didn't sleep a wink all night. It knocked us for six. <laughs> I told the bomb disposal unit, we're not leaving the house, we're staying here. If it goes up, we're going up with it. <laughs> the Ministry of Defence said it removed a 29 kilogram naval projectile. So that's 64 pounds if you do old money. Or uh, it's about the weight of a couple of car tires. I was trying to imagine how heavy this thing was. Or apparently the weight of a Dalmatian dog, if that helps you. Anyway, so test proved that it was alive. It was live, but only had a tiny amount of charge left. Um, so they took it to a disused quarry, covered it with five tons of sand, and detonated it. Poor Mr. and Mrs. Edwards, they missed that shell. There's more to the story, and it doesn't relate to what I'm going to talk about today, so I'll leave it for you to look it up. Milford Haven, garden ornament, turns out to be live bomb. There's some really lovely details, quite amusing. Anyway, we'll circle back to that story later. Um, but first of all, can I ask that if you can, if you stand with me, so I want to read something over us. Um, uh, my aim this morning is simply to encourage you um, I had some other stuff that I was going to say and that was some more like challenging things that would niggle you and, you know, just really uh, provoke you a little bit. And then we had our hub on Wednesday evening and I looked at my talk again that I planned after that and I thought, these guys don't need that. They need some encouragement. So I deleted a load of stuff I was going to say and we're going for all the encouraging stuff today. So anyway, this is from Ephesians. And chapter 1, it should come up on the screen, but I'm going to read it rather than you, because I want to read it over you. Um, and these words were written by Paul for a different church, but they're for us today. There's some fantastic words earlier in this chapter, but we're starting at verse 15 today. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Amen. Before you sit down, just take a moment, look at the people around you. Think about who's here. Think about these are the people that we're giving God thanks for. Have a look at them and then uh, take your seat. Okay. So Paul's prayer for the Ephesians and, and my prayer for you, for us, is that the Holy Spirit would give us wisdom and revelation, not primarily so that we can speak out insightful prophecies, although that would be nice, wouldn't it? Not so that we can make good decisions, which we all need to do, but first and foremost, so that we will know Jesus better. You know, Paul was writing to believers. He, he was writing to people that knew Jesus, that followed Jesus. Um, and yet he felt the need to ask again and again that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Jesus better. And of course, there's always more to know. Until we see him face to face, then we'll know him fully. There's always more to know. <clears throat> and Paul knew firsthand, didn't he, the power of revelation to completely transform a person's perspective of Jesus. Um, if you haven't read his encounter, it's in Acts chapter 9. If you've never heard it before, never read it before, it's a fantastic chapter. It's really exciting. But he, this was a, a man named Saul at the time, and he was on a murderous, hate-filled campaign to persecute and imprison followers of Jesus. And Jesus revealed himself to him in such a dramatic way, just as, as he was on a journey. And that Jesus interrupted him, and he transformed him, his character and his calling, into someone who would build the church rather than destroy it. A revelation from God can be amazing and that would that's the ultimate I think now you'd probably agree maybe begrudgingly and that it's up to us each of us individually to develop good habits in bible reading and prayer and worship and going to church and all that kind of stuff um, so that we can know Jesus better but the wonderful thing is that God in his kindness offers to supercharge that by his spirit godly wisdom doesn't come from our, our own cleverness or our own working things out, but it's a gift of God. So we're asking for the Spirit to give us wisdom and revelation as gifts. So I'm going to keep on praying this. I pray it for myself and I pray it for you, that our glorious Heavenly Father will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know Jesus better. So there's more to this prayer. It's, it's talked about us knowing Jesus better. And now it moves on to, actually, I think it's about us knowing ourselves better. It's calling on God to help us truly grasp the hope he's given us. The wonderful inheritance and the mighty power that we've been given. Now, I think I've got it in the amplified version. I don't know if that's coming up. Maybe on the next slide. Let's have a look. Okay, let's go to the next one. There we go. That's it. This is the same passage, or some of the same passage, in the Amplified Version. It says this. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, 
may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people, and so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. Now, it's quite popular um, for people to be on a journey of self-discovery or to say that they're trying to find themselves or they're searching for the answers inside themselves. And I don't want to belittle that, not at all, because if people are searching, then my prayer is that they'd find more than they're looking for, that they would find the truth. And of course, Jesus came for lost people wherever they're looking. But what this prayer is asking is that God would switch on our internal lights so that we can see clearly what is already inside us. The core, we're asking that the core of our being would be flooded with light by the Holy Spirit. Now, the idea of having a bright light shining on the inside of us, spiritually speaking, can make us feel a little bit exposed. You know, here's this bright light, and now... Someone can see my attitudes, my inmost thoughts, um, my mistakes, my prejudices, maybe. You know, all that made visible. I don't like the idea of that. But that's not what this prayer is asking the Holy Spirit to do. It's the prayer is asking that our, the eyes of our hearts be illuminated to see the treasure that God has put in there, the treasure that God's endowed us with. Not to look at ourselves and what we've made of who we are, the good and the bad, but looking at what he's given us. And that is firstly hope, a confident expectation. I think the next slide, Tina. So Paul puts this succinctly and profoundly in Colossians 1. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The people that you looked round at just a few minutes ago, Christ in them, the hope of glory. Stop worrying about the nasty stuff that might show up if a light is shone into your inner being. Because the glorious Jesus Christ is living in you. His love, grace and forgiveness is continually overwriting your mistakes and shortcomings and sins. We have a world-changing hope within us. You know, may the Holy Spirit help us to see this and to grasp the glorious inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. He's the true heir of salvation, but incredibly, he shared that with us. Do you know what? I don't, I don't know how to put this into words, apart from just keep repeating myself. So, But there's a funny little story from this week that um, might help. So I've changed the names to protect the innocent. Um, but earlier this week, one of the girls in the class that I work in, uh, let, I'm going to call her Lucy, so I don't confuse myself, uh, she gave out invitations to her fifth birthday. Um, but by Wednesday, the mum of one of the boys, I'm going to call him Jerry, um, came, um, she pulled me aside. And uh, she answered a quiet word, and she says, well, well, Jerry was given an invitation to Lucy's party, but um, his younger brothers, two-year-old twins, uh, they've thrown it down the toilet, 
and uh, we don't know when the party is or anything anymore. And you know, I said, oh, it's fine, yeah, no, that's okay. We'll speak to, we'll speak to Lucy's mum, we'll sort it out. And of course, Lucy's mum's fine. She's given him a new invitation, and that's cool. The thought of two-year-old boy twins, oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, they look so sweet. Little terrors. Anyway, so anyway, so when it comes to the day of the party, I am absolutely certain that Lucy's mum will not be on the door checking invitations to make sure that they're uncrumpled and not damp. You know, it's going to be enough that Lucy's there and sees Jerry and said, "Yeah, he's my friend. He can come in. Of course, he can come in." You know, we have a place at the party. We have a divine guarantee of a glorious inheritance. Jesus welcomes us in as his friends. So Paul goes on and uh, he calls on God to make us truly aware of his incomparably great power for us who believe. The Amplified Version said, so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. Um, what we have in us and are at our disposal is nothing less than resurrection power. We sing that, it's a line from a song, resurrection power, living on the inside. Resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, living in us. Do you know what? We're going to need to keep on praying this for this to become a reality in our heads, aren't we? Um, and in our, in our hearts and our minds. To, to know that this is, this is mind-blowing, life-changing, world-changing truth. It's the message of the banners, isn't it, behind us? It's the same thing that I'm saying. Romans 8, 11, exactly the same stuff, the same power. It's exciting. Um, we're just going to need to keep on praying it, that God just gives us the heart and the mind to realize the truth of this. Um, so let's have the next slide. Some of our midweek hubs are following um, Pete Portal's teaching on how to be unsuccessful. Um, this is, seriously now, this is your last chance. If you want to sign up for a hub, <laughs> I'm going to say it now. Star, you've got space, haven't you, for a few more people? Um, Pam Hope, back there, she's got space for a few more people. And Colin at the back has always got room for more people, however many people come. He just has this expansive attitude, which is lovely. Um, but those three are all doing how to be unsuccessful. So back to this. And no more, this is your last chance today, speak to me. Or to any of those three. So Pete asks this uncomfortable question. He says, do many of our lives just look like a slightly vanilla version of those who don't know the world-changing hope we claim to have living within us. That's my only niggly question for you today. So Cyan and Jeffrey Edwards, back to the bomb. So you can have the picture up again of that lovely red bomb. There it is. Um, Cyan and Jeffrey Edwards had a live bomb as a garden ornament. They had no idea of its power. They thought it was fake or, uh, or a dummy. They'd painted it to match their windowsills and used it to clean dirt from garden tools. We have the hope of glory living in us, resurrection power alive in us today. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead has not lost his charge. The potential impact on us and on the world around us is just immense. You know, like that bomb in an ordinary front garden, 
were hidden in plain sight. When we're at work, at school, at home, I don't know where you go, running club, gym, toddler group, pub, Sainsbury's, wherever you go. I don't know where you spend your days, but you're hidden in plain sight. You know, if we're honest, a lot of us probably just want to keep a low profile and just fit in with everyone else. You know, it, it was a long time ago, but I vividly remember how it was being a Christian when I was at school, particularly at secondary school. Um, I just wanted to keep my head down and not draw attention to myself, to paint myself to match the windowsills, if you like. And it was tough. And I'm absolutely certain that today, for young people in our secondary schools, it's unimaginably harder to stand out as different in any way. And I just would just encourage each of us, whether you're a parent of a young person or just part of our church, to be praying for our young people, some of them in here today. Uh, it's really difficult um, to follow Jesus. And each day, to go into that challenge, it's tough, it's tough. Just be praying, be praying. Pray for them that they do, do better at being followers of Jesus than I did when I was at that, that age. And that God will give them courage, they'd protect them, and that they bring good, good friends alongside them. They realize they're not alone in this. If you've joined a 6M People Hub, I'm not pro promoting them because they're full, uh, you'll be working out what it means to follow Jesus and have an impact for him in your everyday setting, where you work or socialize or whatever. And I think you'll be encouraged to realize uh, how well you're already doing. And with the support of your hub, find that you're able to have more of an impact than you, you thought you could. It's just a, they'll be really encouraging, really encouraging hubs. So, I mean, you know, it's really hard to hide a light in a dark room. I'll give you some examples and you, you'll know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been trying to sleep whilst your husband or wife is next to you on their phone? Is this just me? checking emails at the, in the early hours or whatever. The light of that phone, doesn't have to have any sound on, but the light of that phone is enough in a dark room to be quite irritating. Um, or you've been in the cinema. It, it's incredible. You've got that massive screen there, but if somebody gets their phone out, just the light of that phone has an impact. You know, in a dark room, just a bit of light um, is really hard to hide. Um, and I want to finish with this little bit of Bible to encourage us last of all, maybe if the band wants to get up as well. So Jesus says this, he says, you are the light of the world. Now that's a little confusing, isn't it? Because I thought Jesus was the light of the world, didn't you? Isn't that what the Bible says? Oh, but Jesus says, we are the light of the world. So I'm not going to argue with Jesus. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know what? You are a light to everyone in your house, to everyone that you work with, to everyone that you socialize with, to everyone around you. You just are. However much you try to hide it, you just are. The light gets out. 
you know, there's uh, much debate online about how far away you can see a candle flame in the dark. If you Google that, you'll find all sorts of answers between three miles and 30 miles. Um, but some clever physicists came up with, the, uh, with a definitive calculation. I'm not even going to go into how they did it. But their answer is 1.6 miles. You think about that. A candle flame is, what, two centimetres tall? And in the dark, that's how far away you can see it. You are the light of the world. However small and insignificant you think you are, however weak you feel, you're the light of the world. However dark your environment may be, you're the light of the world. You just are. The Holy Spirit is living in you, and you have a glorious hope and incomparably great power inside of you, and it shows. Thank you.